Email oliver at rte.ie. All right, a drugs feud thriller. Uh, it's set in Mayo. It's as if the writers of The Wire made Breaking Bad in Ballina, something like that. Home of Joe Biden's ancestors. Now the setting for Colin Barrett's first novel is called Wild Houses. Good morning and welcome, Colin. Good morning, Oliver. Uh, did you come up with the term wild houses yourself? Because it feels like something I've heard of, but I can't kind of quite place. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good question. I've been asked that a few times. Did you? Did I invent this yeah. title or this term wild houses, which appears in the book a couple of times? And uh, the answer is, I don't know. I can't remember. I feel like someone said it to me once, you know, mm. back in my adolescence at some point in Mayo. But the people and, up uh, there in those wild Something houses. was described as a wild house. Yeah, exactly. So it's a, it's a very... Um, Wherever it came from, it's a very resonant term, I think, yeah. And uh, it uh, it kind of, as as happens, I wrote the book and I didn't have a title yet, but that, that, that phrase had cropped up a couple of times in it. So that ended up being the title. And uh, it, yeah, I, but I can't, I can't be sure I came up with it. And I, I certainly they, won't say I did. They say session gaffes, I think, in Dublin. Session gaff is a good example. And certainly that's, that's the meaning of it, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a, you know, it's a house of with a certain notoriety attached to it. So in small t- small towns or whatever, or anywhere. Houses you know. of iniquities. A house of iniquity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where did the teenage drinking happen when you were growing up? Oh, my God. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, the teenage drinking. Yeah, there was a little bit of it. And uh, no, there'd be a little bit of it in houses if someone's parents were away. Or um, mm. we were very sad, myself and my friends, because we I went to an all-boys school. And, uh, God, when we would go for a little bit of... Uh, yeah, drinking, teenage drinking at the weekends. We would go back to school. We'd go onto the school grounds. Oh, really? drink, <laughs> giving it away now. Back to but, school. But, um, you know, so that was the, that was as far as our imagination went when Friday night came around and we had procured a can or two. Uh, and we where will we go? We'll go to the school grounds, yeah, and drink, so. The Dubliners don't realise how privileged they were that they did have session gaffs and wild houses to go to. Yeah. But the country upbringing was, was different, wasn't it? There wasn't... It was always a, you had to kind of well the schoolyard now is unusual. That's that's very unusual. That's very sad. I think <laughs> um, there are cooler kids out there. I think uh, in the countryside. But um, uh, yeah, I mean that's sort of a theme of the book. You know, it's it's uh, it's set it's set in Ballina, in and around Ballina and stuff. And so I wanted to capture that sense of uh, you know there's a lot of teenage characters in it and a lot of young people and um, that sort of sense of um, uh, you know what would you call it? You just sort of this sort of you can kind of go between the cracks of things, you know. There's lots of empty space out there. There's lots of, there's the town and then there's lots of, there's the wildness, there's the wilderness out around you. And houses play a very important role in the house. Dev, one of the main characters, lives lives alone. He's a young man in his 20s. He lives alone out, out in, in the middle of nowhere, basically. And uh, This is Dev. Dev, yeah. He's, he's one of the main characters. And um, as you said, it's about a kidnapping, the book. And uh, so Dev is the house to whom the kidnapped teenage boy doll is brought um, and so we see events of fall from Dev's perspective he kind of is an unwitting accomplice to this kidnapping and uh, so I just wanted to capture that energy I just wanted to feed that in that sense of Dev Dev lives out he's not too far geographically from civilization from Ballina from yeah. from the towns but uh, emotionally and subjectively I just remember this feeling as a kid driving around in the, the countryside whether it's with your friends or just you know in an idle afternoon or whatever or indeed with your parents or whatever just always seeming, may all seemed endless. You'd all see, you'd go around a corner and there'd be some house or some, you know, uh, field you hadn't, it felt like you'd never seen before, encountered before, you know. Right. So there's a strange sense of, of, of openness. And so... The empty a, space. The empty space. And there can be a bit of menace with that and a bit of, you know, so so this is a very simple setup 
a, a, a young man is kidnapped. He's not brought very far, but he's brought out to this house in the middle of nowhere and no one can find him. Um, is it hard to write about ho- your home place? Do you, do you sense yourself along the way? Um, my journey as a writer is very simple, which is I didn't become a real writer in my head anyway until I started writing about where I'm from. Mm-hmm. I, I've always written fiction. It's always been fictionalised. It is always made up. But until I started writing out of my own experiences, out of my formative experiences as a child and, and go, writing about the West and writing about the people I grew up among, my writing wasn't very substantial up until then. So it's absolutely key, yeah, to write about where I'm from. And uh, once once I started doing that, the writing the writing felt real and, 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 and had a weight to it. And um, I was, of course, always worried. What, what held me back was how is everyone <laughs> going to take this in <laughs> yeah, yeah. where I'm from when they start reading these stories and now novels about, yeah, I mean, there's some sensational stuff in there and, and you know, violence and, and all that. But I um, people have been very nice about the books uh, over the years in, in Mayo and elsewhere. And they get it. They get what you're going at. And you're showing the place. I love where I'm from. Uh, I love my home. I love my hometown. I, I love my, my county. And uh, I love where I'm from and I love the people. And um, but I, you know, I've always tried to show them honestly, and it's just my, it's just my, you know, I'm writing out of my own experiences. I'm not an authority, but I want to show them in all their sort of rough, hewn beauty, the same as the landscape. And uh, thankfully, they have not chased me out of the place yet. Yeah. You love the place, but you're saying it's not. There's empty spaces. Not everything is perfect. That's a good rounded view. It's the most rounded view of Mayo. Well, you know, yeah. Heard. I mean, it is. There's an untamed element to it. As I say, there is a kind of wildness. It's a wilderness still. You know. We live in a very, uh, you know, you think there's no wild places left, but uh, there still is, yeah. Because nearly every character in this, they're stuck in a way. It, yeah. Is that how you see the West of Ireland? Not at all. I don't know how I see the West of Ireland. I, I suppose I, I was someone who grew up and left for college. You know, I haven't lived in Mayo. In I grew up there, but I haven't lived there in well over 20 years. Mm. And it's not an untypical anyone who grows up out in the countryside and inevitably a lot of people move away. Uh, and so all my f- all my writing has kind of been about the opposite. I, I write about people who s- who maybe stay or people you know who are, who've always been my age or whatever, or roughly my age, and what their lives are like there. You know, and it's not it's not a judgmental thing, or it's not saying, well, this is I'm delighted I got away or anything like that. It's a, it's a lot more complicated. And and when I left, I couldn't wait to leave. I was a restless teenager with pretensions, and I wanted to go off and write my books um, in a cosmopolitan place like. Dublin <laughs> or, or wherever but um, or you know uh, London or somewhere but uh, I never made it that far but uh, when as soon as I left I missed lots of it and you know and, and as you get older you really value what's there and I love going back when I can so I've always wanted to sort of get that love in there but also also the difficulties and stuff and so writing about stuckness writing about characters maybe it's me writing about a fate I was always worried I'd have but I, I think I'm also writing about Things I didn't get, things I missed, consolations and, and things that I that I didn't get because I left. Is that why people leave the fear that this is the life that you might have? That could be it, you know. Um, Which is fine for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I think it's more of a function of when you're youngish, you just want to get out and see new, the world, really. I mean, that's a very simple thing. It's hard to appreciate what you have there. It's... Uh, what's right in front of you because you grew up with it you know and, uh, and, and and that's sort of like there's several phrases to that end in the book you know the, the, the Dev and um, you know he, he doesn't see what's in front of him um, and, and a lot of the characters don't so they are in I mean you know it's about a kidnapping and it's, it's at times a very intense story and, and whatnot. but um, hopefully there's a lot of 
anyone who reads it will see that there is a there is a lot of um, there's community in there and there's a lot of lost characters, but there are there is opportunities for them. Like Dev's struggle is he doesn't need to be alone. He's he's kind of removed himself from society after a family tragedy, but um, you know there are people out there for him. Um, if he's if he's willing to sort of extend himself and reach out, the two guys who come to his door, they're obviously involved in the drugs industry. Um, explain the relationship because he's he's the tallest, isn't he? But he's he's not really scared of them. They they bring the kidnapped boy, yeah. And they're using his house, and he tiptoes around. But the, the, I I was struck by that kind of Irish relationship in some ways <laughs> that he, yeah. you know, that he's friends with them but not friends. Yeah, it's a very. You know, it's drama- It's it's very dramatically depicted here because there's there's a drug deal and there's a kidnapping and all that. But absolutely, what I wanted to capture was a feeling I had a lot when I grew up, and I would be, um, you know, when you grow up in the countryside, you're just friends with whoever's around. So you'd often be friends with younger kids and older kids, you know. And so these hierarchies would naturally form. You know, you'd be I'd be with my older cousins who I thought were impossibly glamorous and and cool, um, and reckless, and um, you know, you wanted to emulate them and the dynamics would often be very strange. I, I, they, they were your friends or they'd have a lot of time for you and tolerate you, but every so often they'd just pick on you or do something very casually cruel to you, you know, and it's a very, just every child does it, you know. Um, so those those sort of, um, I wanted to capture that dynamic. I mean, the whole plot is a, is a excuse in a sense to get Dev, who's this gentle giant, basically. He's, he he wouldn't harm anybody, but he's he's not really scared of the Ferdias. They're disreputable people. They're criminals. They're drug dealers. They would have very bad reputations around the town, but there's cousins and they actually, you know, they're not a threat to him. Um, but they also have this young fellow with them. So it's this sort of, they become this sort of family over for the course of the book, this, this four-man family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, and they're all kind of adolescent, really, you know, even though some of them are older. But, uh, and just exploring their dynamic, they have to stay together. Easy and, cocoa uh, pops. So they become, a, yeah, they become a kind of family. The oldest fella, Gabe, who's like the, the worst of them in a sense, but he's the de facto dad. And he has to like, you know, he's asking Dev, has he got any food for the weekend? And he's like, I'll have to go do a shop now. Uh, you know, so they've done the kidnapping and he has to go and get the sausages. So, you know, that's a, that's a dynamic. That, I want to uh, d- domesticity that was going on in the background. Oh, I mean, if you, you know, it's about a drug deal. But if you if you go read it, there's about half a dozen scenes of, of, of these men cooking and cooking food uh, for themselves and all Watching that sort telly. of stuff. Eating the Cocoa Pops. Yeah, uh, making lasagna. Uh, like, I, I really, it's a domestic novel. It really is. Like, Dev, Dev is sort of, you know, he's, he's sort of, um, he's been living there on his own and now he has this family all of a sudden uh, for the, for these three, three days that the novel's set over. So there's a lot of domestic scenes, a lot of cooking and cleaning in it. If you if you <laughs> give it a second read, with <laughs> an eye to that. Than that. Uh, novels take a long time; they take an age, don't they, to brew and and, oh, they do. and, and and land. Yet the topic of this book could not be arriving at a better time. Drugs in small town Ireland is that a lucky land, or is that very deliberate on your part? Um, it was in no way premeditated. Yeah, novels take a long time. I wrote the first a very first chapter of this, a very early version of it, maybe seven years ago, you know. So you can't possibly predict where, <laughs> what's going to be in the news or what's 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 the topic and what yeah. isn't. Um, I pity any novelist who try to capture those things because that by the time you've the book written, yeah. things have moved the on. So I have always just trying to, I've written about, you know, it's fiction, but I've written out of my own experiences and out of my own life and, and sort of out of out, out of experiences I've had. And, um, you know, it is a version of that. But the, the plot is the drug stuff. It's, it's a plot. It gives the novel an engine and it gives it it gives it a momentum. And But as I say, I mean, it, it is ultimately about these relations between people. And that's what I really, really wanted to focus on and, yeah. and the dynamic between the characters. So that's the main emphasis. And the drug thing is, is an element that there you can't say it's not a part of life for a lot of people. And um, but I wanted to look beyond 
headlines and black and white depictions of, you know, this is a novel about the people it is, yeah. involved. Yeah. Did you look into the, the drugs element and how it's affecting all those people? When you were researching? No, I mean, not really. I don't do any research. I just I just sort of went with, with my own, you know, I had the characters and I and I, uh, I went with what I thought roughly would be credible. But I mean, I don't know. I didn't do a lot of research in any sense uh, for it other than um, just having, yeah, drank a lot of bottles of Corona, had a lot of houses over the years uh, <laughs> in the West. Yeah, I suppose what I'm getting at is that the drug use is extremely casual, isn't it, among these youngsters? Yeah, yeah. And that's where we are now in this country. I mean, yeah, I guess so. It can be like that. Uh, but as, as I said, I sort of, um, Dev, for example, he's the main character. And I, I, hope for, I hope readers like him and understand him. You know, he's a character who has a lot of issues. He has a lot of mental health issues apart from anything else. Mm. Grief I, and loneliness. Grief, I mean, he's a, very, he's a very, yeah, he's a very lonely person. He's in grief. And for young men, that can be a hard thing to articulate. And he's, he's certainly trapped in it. But I was thinking about how if this was a real life story and you read about it in the newspaper, you'd be like, well, Dev was an accomplice. He was, they were letting, he was letting them keep, he was letting drug dealers keep a kid at his house. Yeah. So you'd, you'd write him off as just a total, well, he's good riddance to him if he goes to jail, great. But I show you, uh, I, I, I show you the whole, the whole book unfolds from his perspective or, along with Nikki, the other main character. And so I show you, in, like, hopefully, you know, readers can read it and he, bad things are happening in and around him and he's sort of complicit in it. But I show you, if, I show you where he is emotionally and where he is subjectively and where he is in his life. Um, and so, you know, that's something that I think fiction is really the only venue you can explore that sort of thing. And, you know, the news and the courts are, are for, for law and they're for, they're for events. But I can show you what it's like inside someone's head when even very terrible things are happening. Uh, the, the good writing of this, it doesn't, it can't change society often, but it does reveal bits of it, doesn't it? Is that what you're doing here? It's, it's fiction, but it's not imaginary. I mean, that's, I, I hope so. I mean, I hope people can read it and just, yeah, feel, I mean, all you want is, is to maybe feel empathy towards people. I mean, they're, that's the paradox. They're fictional people. They're not real. They're definitely yeah. real. It doesn't exist. But, you know, um, it might make you think about people in his circumstances or people in, in circumstances like Dev or Killian or even the, the Ferdia brothers, these sort of guys who'd be written off as villains in, in, in reality. But um, that's, yeah, that's what art affords. I mean, I, that's what I've always got from from reading books and and from from artists. I I feel like I'm connecting with someone else, the author who I don't know through made, made up characters. It's very strange, but we do love people have always enjoyed stories. Uh, the teenage boy who's he's kidnapped in, in and held in Dev's house. It's his brother that's living in the wild house essentially, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, we should say there's no glamorizing of drugs going on here because the house he's in. It's, utter, it's an utterly miserable existence. It's not great now, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so Dahl's older brother Killian owes, owes money to people. He kind of was a kind of was a drug dealer, and uh, but he didn't keep it up. And um, so he's ended up, his, his is the wild house, and it's his mother calls it the wild house. She said, that man lives in a wild right, house. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but then Dahl corrects her and says, it's, it's not a wild house anymore. So um, it's a, it has a melancholy tinge, the, the title, and it's sort of, you know, it is about... It's about how the past, you know, um, just feeds into the present and uh, and weighs on people very heavily. Uh, Nikki then is the the strong female figure in this. T- tell us about Nikki. She seems to be the only one with a bit of sense and maybe a bit of hope as well. The only one with a bit of cop. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so she's yeah she's Dahl's girlfriend. She's seventeen years old and um, she's the other main character, I suppose. The the the, the novel goes f- 
from Dev's perspective and, 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 and Nikki's perspective. So the whole thing unfolds along, switching between their perspectives. And uh, Nikki is the opposite of Dev in some ways, but she's she's a lot like him too. But she's the opposite in that she's very in the world. She's out and about. She's very... Um, She's very resourceful. She, she, her parents died when she was young, so she is very mature for her age, and and she sort of, uh, yeah, she has sense and re- resourcefulness, um, and she's kind of the only person that even notices Doll has gone missing. And um, I did have a reader come up to me uh, a few days ago and say, "I love the book, and you know, Nikki's a great character. She's such a wonderful together girl, you know, and she's, you know." she's going to make something of herself. But why is she going out with that fella? Because Don is like, you know, he's just a very ordinary 16-year-old fella and he's a bit, you know, he's a bit of a mammy's boy and he's a bit hapless and he treats her a bit complacently. But um, he's a bit of a lump. So why why is Nikki, a great girl like Nikki, going out with this lump? And, you know, my only answer was, well, I was that lump when I was a teenage boy. And, you know, you know, um, you know, you'd meet some wonderful girl who'd uh, eventually see sense and move on from you. But, you know, it's, <laughs> you it's, it's, a very, boyfriend? it's a very credible dynamic, you know, which is this sort of fella who doesn't know what he has at all. And, uh, you know, really? this, you know, uh, fantastic girlfriend who never informed and he barely notices. So I, I actually will, will put that in the uh, as a plus that I successfully have created the d- dynamic of a lot of teenage relationships that people can maybe relate to. <laughs> okay. uh, Nikki has a car, which is very important, obviously, because... Oh, yeah. Is that a big metaphor for freedom out in the... <laughs> oh, the old... Well, you need one. You need Literally. one in the West. You know what I mean? Like, um, you do need one. And it absolutely, it's 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 absolutely a symbol of her, her agency. I mean, she's the only one who can drive. In, in the, She's not the only character who can drive, but uh, it, she plays a key role. She, she has to drive Doll around. He can't drive, much to his shame, and his mother can't either. So she has to... Chauffeur them round, as uh, Dal's mother mm. Sheila says. So yeah, it's it's an important part of her character, and um, you know she, she yeah it was a fundamental part when I was growing up. If you got the car, you were, suddenly you had freedom and you had agency, and you could go a whole other dimension of reality open up to you. They were like uh, the fanciest people in the town, though, weren't they? The ones with yeah, to be teenagers. friends. If you had a car, you yeah. know, you were going to be the most popular kid on the street. <laughs> you know, true. so that's that's a is is a shortcut to popularity. I tell you that much. Yeah, so it was very important growing up. So my my English editor actually very you know very innocently asked. He said, "There's an awful lot of scenes of of Nikki driving around." <laughs> and uh, my my editor in, in America someone from a city, presumably. someone from the city. Yeah, yeah and, and whereas my my editor, who's my American editor, but she she grew up in Cork. She was like, "Oh no." You need those scenes. You need those scenes. It's like oh, they're right. absolutely. If you grew up in a small town, you 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 just spent a lot of time in a car, you and your friends. That's they're all very important. So I yeah. think the Americans would understand it more, actually, wouldn't they? Because the Americans would too. But yeah, yeah, yeah. My 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 daughter Katie in, in in the states, she she had grown up in Cork, but she knew she knew she knew. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think maybe Americans might might have an affinity too. I think but they, the, uh, they consider bus used to be for absolute down and outs. Uh, well, public, tra- I mean, public transport just yeah, I mean, isn't a thing in Mayo, never mind, you know, so even, <laughs> even if you if, if you were trying to do that, you know, it wouldn't be wouldn't be possible. So, um, yeah, so the car is very important in the book and it's very important to Nikki. Yeah, there's wild houses and then there's the houses in the town uh, for the misfortunes, aren't they? Then? And one of the there's a father in there. So mental health is obviously a big topic here. I suppose it is, yeah. I mean, again, I'm, I don't have any grand pronouncements on it. I'm just trying to, you know, honestly depict characters in their situations. Sure, and yeah. um, I suppose there's there's a sort of generational thing in the idea of inheriting, inheriting traumas, I suppose, is the phrase, but it's just, it's just, it's carrying, carrying things from, 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 from previous generations. And uh, so Dev's dad, yeah. We, how far do you think people are carrying it? I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I think it can go, it can come back a long, come back a long way. I mean, you kind of, you grow up with your with your family or whatever, and you don't. I think it can take a long time to work out the impact of what the, what 
the impact their lives led on them becoming the people they were when you got to know them. Your parents are, they're like a landscape, you know, they're, they seem endless. When you're a small child, I'm talking about, you know, yeah. your, your parents are there and they're just, there's no side to them. They seem totemic. They're, 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 they're massive in your mind, in your imagination. They're the most important people in the world. So I wanted to capture something in that feeling. And people, these are all, most of my characters are, they're adolescents or they're, they're older devs, a grown man, he's in his 20s. But um, in many ways, I just wanted to try and capture that sort of, that once your parents go away in some sense, you're just a, you're still a kid no matter how old you get and, you know, you, you miss them and you want them. And that's that's in there. So Dev's, you know, Dev's dad has had a lot of psychiatric issues and then his mother just overmothered him basically to make up for it. And then once she died, he was left completely adrift, you know. So it's 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 the impact of all these decades before he was even born. Things that were set in motion before Dev were born have borne down on him as a, as a man, you know. Um, you're writing, there's someone even texting in. It's great to hear Colin Barrett on the radio. Brilliant writer, says Peter. Uh, you've been winning praise for years now. Uh, you've all the big literary figures swooning. Does that, <laughs> does that help? Or, or is it... Uh, it's great. It's very nice. Yeah. Uh, oh, look, it's lovely to get. And I've been very uh, happy with the reviews and everything because it's my third book, but it is a first novel. And it certainly felt like that writing it. A lot collections of, of short stories. Two, two collections of short stories, yeah. Young Skins and Homesickness. And, uh, but Wild Houses is the first novel and it felt very much like a first book writing it. You know, it, it took a lot of trial and error and a lot of hard work. So... I uh, I did all I could with it, and uh, no, the response has been great, and uh, I'm just very grateful for it. It's not just lovey palaver then in the bookish world, where it's not at all. I mean, it's a funny system because you, you you do get sent books, and you try your best to read them, and say, you know, then if you like them, you're going to give a, a bit of praise and all that. But I listen. The Irish literary community is great. Um, I I came up through it. I came up through magazines. My first my first publisher, the Sting and Fly Press, they run a, a literary journal. And they made me as a writer. They're always looking for new writers, for new writing. So anyone who wants to write or is thinking about it, wherever you are, your agent station in life, um, the Sting and Fly magazine still runs and, and I got my break with them. And it's very important, isn't it, for writers? Yeah, and I, I, I found a community. I found met so many writers there. I, you know, uh, Kevin Barry was first published there. Sally Rooney got published there early on. That's how I met her. She grew up in Mayo as well, but I never, she's younger than me. I never met her until I was in Dublin at a Sting and Fly launch event years ago. So, And so many other writers of my, in and around my age and stuff. And and uh, the Irish literary community is a very supportive one. Um, I was, had an interview with an English journalist a couple of months back and he was like, you all seem to love each other over there, you know. And, <laughs> you know, he's like, it's just, there's no, there doesn't seem to be any bitter rivalries or anything like elsewhere. So I was like, yeah, we all love each other, aren't we great? Yeah. It could be catty every now and again, though. <laughs> oh, listen, listen, there's no angels. There's no angels. And everyone gets into the pub and has a drink or two. But I think in the main, you know, uh, no, coming up, as I say, coming up to that magazine and coming mm. up to, you just, you meet people. And they're, they're, yeah. they're your friends before they end up being uh, you know, the, before they get well, before they get books published and become authors, you know, that's really, it's really good is, to so. hear because half yeah. the time you're wondering, can you believe the blurb at the back when no, it's with no, a big no, author so, attached? Um, and it's always nice to, to to read something you haven't read before and, and just discover new work. So yeah. I'm always trying my best to keep it. There's so many writers in Ireland, so much good writing coming through. So, so the stinging fly is the place to to go. Yeah. Column is welcome back in Mayo. We're so proud of him here. Says Austin, who's a Mayo librarian. Thank you, Austin. He's almost raising the prospect that you mightn't be. <laughs> just to clarify, I was always worried about back. it. I was like, listen, Were you? I'm going to do the book, but if they, you know, if they run me, they run me. But uh, no, no, uh, people in Mayo have a very elevated literary sensibility, Oliver. So they, <laughs> they got what I was going for, you know. Um, the Oprah Daily website, I don't know if you know, but they described you as a doyen of the sentence. I'm not sure what a doyen is. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I'm assuming it's a good like, thing. Well, I don't know. I assume it's a good I, thing. Well, they're talking about, uh, is it an irritant for you to be praised for 
the mastery of the sentence, whereas I presume you want people to celebrate the story and the characters in it. Praise is never an irritant. Um, no, I, 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 I'm happy to take any, if people take any. I do work a lot on the sentences. I really do, Oliver. Yeah. And I think writing the novel, though, um, did make me realise that there's, there really is a simple knack and people have it. The writing can, can take any shape or form, but to be able to tell a story and keep the pages turning, keep the reader turning the pages is, is a real knack. So with the novel, yeah, as much as I put a lot of work and effort into sentences, but you have to make sure the story is there. So that was yeah. what I spent so long trying to make as good as I could. I, I meant to mention earlier, actually, Turlock's play oh, yeah. a big part in this. And yes. I, I think that's, uh, I don't think I've, I've, I've come across a Turlock as a plot, as a plot thing. Tell us where, no, how it so, features. I mean, basically a turlock, for people who don't know, is like, it's kind of like a seasonal lake that'll spring up every so often. So yeah. you look out over a field and it looks like it's flooded and it'll be there for a while and then it's gone. And uh, it's a, you know, a, a, a geographical phenomenon that apparently only happens in the west of Ireland. Yeah, I think that's there's, incredible. There's possibly it? a place in Wales, I could be wrong, where it also happens. I have the character mentioned it only happens in the West just for the poetic cleanness of it. Um, so, yeah, that's how Killy, that's how the trouble starts, because Killian, who is uh, minding a shipment of drugs, thinks he'll be really clever and he hides it out in the middle of nowhere and then it floods. So, as he says, a magical lake drank 18 grand's worth of coke on me. And uh, so that sets the whole thing in motion. Uh, so Turlock was, once I, once I, you know, I always knew I wanted to put them in a story or put them in a, a book at some point. Mm. So Wild Houses afforded the opportunity to bring in Great bring use in Turlocks. of it. Yeah. It's what Breaking Bad was missing for, you know, the <laughs> narcos ironic well, they don't have Turlocks in uh, New Mexico or whatever. <laughs> no, so that no. was the problem there, I suppose. Yeah. Listen, thanks a million for coming into us. It's called Wild Houses. Um, you, you, you kind of come, you look like an intelligent version of Prince Harry without all the baggage for anyone. <laughs> Okay. So enjoy the next few weeks. You've had the, the reviews have been incredible. Thank you, Albert. So um, enjoy all of that. And also awards season, I would say, at the end of the year. So look forward to for that. You'll be there for sure. You don't have to comment on that. And, and come back to us for novel number two, because they all want they all want more from you. Wild Houses is published by Jonathan Cape. It is out now. Sup it in. You'll never think of a turlock the same way ever again. Or possibly Bellina. Uh, good luck, Colin Barr. Thanks, man. Good morning. Thank you, Oliver. Five one from five, the five, North one. Tech Studio, followed by your message to eight zero eight eight nine.